Oh, wow. As a preacher who never gets excited, who never shouts, this is unique. I'm, I'm very blown away by this. Before you're seated, all kidding aside, let me show you some prophetic workings of the Holy Spirit. In the middle of my sermon, there is an integral part that has to do with what they sang. They had no idea of that. Zero. They received, you all received my sermon yesterday. And in, embedded in my sermon is an, one entire piece on what we just did. They had no idea. This is the Holy Spirit telling all of us. And it's a lot more than the vociferous expression that comes via the conduit of the shifting of our vocal cords. Yes, this is one manifestation of it. But it's the volume of your life. It's the volume of your prayer life. The volume of your testimony. It's the volume of your influence. It's the volume of your presence. Wholeheartedly, I believe in the past two years, at least the last 19 months, the enemy has attempted to put you on mute. He attempted to silence you. The devil thought he would put a permanent mute button on your life. I need you with me at the count of three, not only to unmute, to tell the devil, not only is the mute button coming off, I'm about to raise my volume like I've never... One, two, three, lift on your back. Somebody praise God. Somebody worship if you know. Praise them like you're free. Shout like you've been redeemed. Worship like you've been warned. Somebody dance and rejoice like the blood of Jesus is on you. complaints, any complaints or criticism, feel free to text the Holy Spirit. Oh, wow, y'all. Wow. Man, just let me give you the word of the Lord. I am so honored and blessed to be able to begin this series today. What heaven starts, hell cannot stop. This series will last for the next two months at least, probably right before Christmas. It may be two and a half months. We're going to break down Elijah and Elisha in a way for the glory of the risen Christ like you've never heard before. What I'm going to share with you today, by the leading of the Spirit, I've never preached, and I mean never. The revelation God gave me regarding this biblical passage here, and matter of fact, I, I actually argued with God and went, for all these years preaching, why haven't you ever shown me this before? And I discovered that there are things that God will hide from you until you're ready for it. Until it's the right season. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Have you ever read something in the book where it never ever popped up until it was a time where you needed it to pop up? And you go like, wait a minute, but I've been reading that and reading that. All of a sudden, go, oh, you're there. There it is. So there it is. First Kings chapter 17, verse 1. I want to talk to you about Elijah first, and then we're going to show you the characters in this story. We're going to break down the different characters here. There's an Elijah, there's an Elisha subsequently. There is an, a guy named Ahab who's the king of Israel. He's married to an interesting woman. We'll talk about her in a minute. But I love this. Let me read. Here's the, today's title is Say the Word. Somebody say, Say the Word. Say the word. And before we really get started, I need you to nudge the neighbor you like the most. Nudge that neighbor and tell him what heaven started. Hell cannot stop. 
Now, now I want you to elbow the neighbor that you like the least and tell that neighbor what heaven starts. Hell cannot stop. How many believe here that heaven already started something in you? All right, let's go beyond that. How many believe not only has heaven already started something in you, how many truly believe heaven started something in your family? And how many believe that the moment God starts it, there's not a devil in hell or a demon on earth, an Ahab, a Jezebel, or a Baal that will be able to stop it? How many believe it's too late now? No, no, how many really believe it's too late? How many believe if the devil wanted to take you out, he should have done it before you received Jesus? How many believe it's too late now? How many believe you're too saved to be lost? Too blessed to be cursed? Too anointed to be disappointed? Are you with me right now? So here it is. 1 Kings 17. This is how we're introduced. They're the two most famous prophets in the Old Testament, Moses and Elijah. Two most famous. This is the way the Bible introduces Elijah, which is different from any other introduction. The usual introductions are, here's Elijah. He is the son of Billy McGillicuddy. <laughs> Billy McGillicuddy was the son of, right? And then they go and they come from this and they had all this long introduction. No, this is the way the Bible introduces the world to one of the most famous prophets, 1 Kings 17, 1. Now Elijah, I love that. That's like an intro phrase. Now Elijah, now Elijah. I love this. Now Elijah, now you. Now you filled with the glory of Jesus. The world saw the old you, the broken you, the depressed you, the anxious you, the addicted you. But now they're gonna, now Elijah who was from Tishbe in Gilead, he told King Ahab, this is the way we're introduced to this man. He told King Ahab, King Ahab is the king of Israel, the most powerful political man. Here it is. Here's what Elijah tells him. Here's how we're introduced. As surely as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, the God I serve, there will be no dew or rain during the next few years until I give the word. Yeah, you missed it. We're introduced to this prophet. By this prophet meeting, it would be equivalent to Sam Rodriguez today looking at Joe Biden and telling President Biden, it's not going to rain until I give the word. And right after Secret Service takes me out to the asylum. <laughs> this is crazy. That's what he did. That's the introduction. The prophet looks at the king and says, it's not going to rain until I say the word. Isn't it crazy that the prophet Elijah, in his mouth, and by the way, he said it. He said no more rain, and it stopped raining. No, you missed that. You're saying Elijah was a unique individual. God gave him a special impartation. I want you to know something. The words that you have, what comes out of your mouth, has the power to close up heaven or open up heaven in your favor? How many believe the words that come out of your mouth matter? So I, I want to, I, here it is. Point number one, if you're taking any notes, as usual, good luck with that. Point number one is when your testimony produces your identity, nothing can stop you. 
I'll repeat that. When your testimony produces your identity, nothing can stop you. Now, Elijah from Tishbe and Gilead told the king, here it is. Again, he begins by telling him it's not going to rain. No background, no background information, or you think. What if I tell you that in his name and in that verse is all the information you need from Elijah? I'll prove it. Elijah means in the Hebrew, Jehovah is my God. You missed it. His name means Jehovah is my God. His name. When, he said, when, when Ahab would say Elijah in the Hebrew, Ahab was saying Jehovah is your God. Think about that. Who is the king of Israel meeting with? A man whose name is Jehovah is my God. He is from Tishbe, which means I'm a dweller. I know how to inhabit. And he's from Gilead, which means testimony. You're going to get this by tomorrow morning. Elijah means this. Jehovah is my God. I am a person who dwells that with a testimony. When your identity comes out of your testimony, nothing can stop you. When who you are is the outcome of what God did in your life, nothing can stop you. When you're a child of the cross and fruit of the empty tomb and product of the upper room, nothing can stop you. Jehovah is my God. I know how to dwell and I come with a testimony. We live in a crazy world. I told you officially, officially, the past 19 months have now been described as the official cuckoo for Cocoa Puff season. That's the name of the past 19 months. The world is broken. The world is corrupt. How do we fix it? We don't need more technology. We don't need more politics. We don't need more ideologies. We don't need a new app or a new platform. The only answer for this broken world is Jesus Christ of Nazareth. But, but Jesus cannot be preached and will not be preached in this generation unless we see a generation filled with the spirit of Elijah. What do I mean? We need some modern day Elijahs to rise up. We need some people like Elijah that really believe that when they speak a word, that word will come to pass. We, we need cuckoo people, crazy people. The world, Elijah didn't give a holy hoot if people criticized him, and they did. You know he dressed differently. Elijah had a different diet. He wouldn't drink coffee from Starbucks, Samuel Rodriguez, repent. He wouldn't dress. He wouldn't dress like other people. He dressed differently. He looked differently. That's why when John the Baptist showed up, they called him Elijah. He looked like him, walked like him, ate like him. We can't conform to this world we so we, we want to make a difference but we want to look like the world act like the world think like the world no ladies and gentlemen boys and girls the moment a generation of the spirit of Elijah rises up we're gonna see Ahab Jezebel and Baal defeated by the power of the risen God we need modern-day Elijah's we need modern-day Elijah to stand up. We need men and women like Elijah who stand up and say, Jehovah is my God. I dwell in his presence, and I come with a testimony. Raise your right hand and repeat after me. Jehovah is my God. I live in his presence, and I come with a testimony. I don't know if you understand what this means. I'm going to be very honest with you. I'm sick and tired of hearing everybody else stand up for their respective causes. When we have the greatest cause to stand up for. Everyone is standing up for something, and we have every cause on the book, and some things are legitimate, worthy of standing up for, but the vast majority are not. 
Some causes are righteous, but the vast majority are not. Here's the issue, and this may get me in trouble. Some people, we have no problem telling people who we vote for, but some of us are quiet about who we live for. And who we live for is a lot more important than who we vote for. Really, you want to change the world? You want to make a change? You want to make a difference? It's time for God to activate the Elijah in you. We need, we need modern-day Elijahs to rise up in, in Facebook, in Instagram, in Twitter, in YouTube, and TikTok. And for those of you that know what TikTok is, yeah, TikTok. We, we need modern-day Elijahs to rise up in the barrio and in Beverly Hills, in, in, in your house and in the White House, in media and in the marketplace. And I'm going to ask one time. I'm going to prophesy it. I believe we're about to see that. I can't deny the fact that Ahab is alive and well. That spirit is alive and well. Ahab was terrible. Ahab was even worse because he married a woman called Jezebel. Jezebel was evil, wicked. She's the wicked witch of the West and the East and the North and the South. I mean, Jezebel was horrific. Jezebel would build Asherah poles. She would actually build a pole in every village to remind everyone of their captivity. She actually built a statue, a pole that would remind the people of God, your God, Jehovah, he's not with you. He doesn't even exist. He's not even real. I'm going to show you how captive you are. Let me remind you of your slavery and they would build Asherah posts. She would ask, where are the prophets at? Where are the prophets? And once the prophets were identified, she would kill each and every one of them. She would kill the prophets. She would come after the preachers. She would intimidate the people of God. She was wicked. She demanded babies to be sacrificed. I mean, if she didn't like you, they would kill your babies. They would rip the babies out of the womb. This woman was so, don't you tell me the spirit of Jezebel is not alive in 2021. Absolutely. Ahab is alive. Jezebel is alive. The spirit of Baal is alive. That's the spirit of child of worship and idolatry and of worshiping the wrong thing and worshiping a lie. Don't tell me we're not worshiping lies in 2021. Absolutely. And that's what Elijah confronted. The spirit of Ahab, the spirit of Jezebel, the spirit of Baal. But I want to remind everyone here and everyone streaming the great theological phrase. I went to seminary for 35 years for this phrase. I went to Bible college for 52 years for this phrase. I did the Hebrew, the Greek, and the Aramaic to be able to share with you the following deep theological phrase. Don't drink the Kool-Aid. That's the phrase. What is the Lord telling you, Samuel, for the church? Real deep. Don't drink the Kool-Aid. Ahab is not more powerful than Jesus. Jezebel is not more powerful than Jesus. Baal. It's not more powerful than Jesus. Jesus is still the name above every other name. Jesus is still the name. If you believe that, praise like you know it. Worship like you know it. Is there anyone here not ashamed of the gospel? Raise your hand. God, if you're in this series, God's going to activate the Elijah in you. I promise you, if you're listening to this, I... I am not ashamed of the good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work saving everyone who believes. Romans 1.16. I see the generation of the spirit of Elijah rising up around the world as I travel. Sacramento, Los Angeles. I see, I see, I see, I see, I see a generation rising up just like Elijah. I see a generation rising up not being afraid to confront the spirit of Ahab, the spirit of Jezebel, the spirit of Baal. We need courageous believers to rise up. 
We need courageous believers to rise. And I mean, when no one else is rising up, they rise up. And, and, and then they're going to ask you, why aren't you fearing them? Then you're going to look at them with just that, that audacious faith and say, why, don't, why am I not afraid of Ahab or Jezebel or Baal? Simple. God has not given me. Anybody know what we're... God has not given me a spirit of but of power and love and sound mind. Are there any Elijahs in the house here today? It's that reality. It's that reality. Now, now I, I need to break this down. Ooh, here we go. Uh, he, he, he married Jezebel. Ahab married Jezebel. And I, let me, let's do a public service announcement. Uh, camera, man, give me a tight shot for the streaming audience. Tight shot. If you're single. That was the announcement. That was it. Y'all got that? Because some people, I love Jesus, but I'm, I want to marry Jezebel. Five years later, your life is falling apart, and you come back and blame Jesus. Jesus looks at you and says the two most important decisions you make in your life is who you serve, your Lord, who's your Lord, and who's your spouse. Are you with me right now? Don't marry Jezebel. I said, don't marry Jezebel. Don't marry Jezebel. Don't marry Jezebel. This is for somebody there. This, this, this message brought to you by don'tmarryjezebel.com. Elijah looks at the king of Israel, whose name was what? Oh, wow. Never preached on this before. I just thought Ahab was the dumb king who married a witch. That's the way I grew up thinking, right? Because you, and I'm a preacher. You know, you read 1 Kings 18, you focus on that. 1 Kings 17. But man, you got to do your biblical due diligence and put everything in the context. Hermeneutics, you have to understand the entire story. So Elijah was never written about, but Ahab was. What? 1 Kings 16 talks about Ahab, his rap sheet. He had a rap sheet. I'm going to read it for you. Quoting from the Bible verbatim. This is 1 Kings 16, 29 and 34. About Ahab. He did more evil in the eyes of the Lord than any of those before him. Ooh, la sangre de Cristo. <laughs> he considered it cool and trivial to commit all the sins he wanted. It was cool to sin. Not like today. He married Jezebel and he began to serve Baal and worship him. He set up an altar for Baal in the temple. The temple that belonged to God, he set up an altar for the false god. He made Asherah poles, just like Jezebel. And then here's the one that captures it all. In Ahab's time, Heo of Bethel rebuilt Jericho. Now that's the part I want to land on that you've probably never heard before. You know why Ahab, why God just went like Ahab? Oh, no, 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 no. Because Ahab, everything he did was embodied in one act. It was all wicked. He rebuilt 
Jericho. Mm, you missed it. Ahab was the king. No other king did it. He gave authorization for the rebuilding of Jericho. Many of you should be asking, so big deal, what's Jericho? Jericho wasn't just any other city. Some of you, what is Jericho? Jericho was the city that was brought down when Joshua and the Israelites stepped into the promised land. Know the story. Jericho represents the obstacle that God, God's people lived in Egypt for 430 years, 40 years in the desert. When, they, when God said, I'm going to give you the promised land, they leave the desert. This is the desert. That's Egypt. This is the promised land. When they stepped into the promised land, the first thing they found was a Jericho. A city that was fortified with the strongest walls in the world. You couldn't bring that city down. And that city was there. And they had to defeat Jericho in order to conquer the fullness of the promise. Now I'm going to speak to you prophetically. Some of you are right here. What does that mean? This represents that whenever you step into a new season, not in the desert, whenever you step into the promise, the first thing you will find is an obstacle. You'll find the devil will create something to keep you in your first step in order to impede you from conquering the fullness of the promise. So many of you are in right now facing your Jericho. You're right here. You're no longer in Egypt. You're not in failure. You're not in the desert going around. You stepped into the promise, but you're stuck in step number one. You're stuck right here. Here's the rest of the promise. God did not ordain you to just step into the promise. He ordained you to occupy the fullness of the promise, to conquer all of the promise. And some of you are here right now looking at a wall in front of you, looking at a devil in front of you, looking at a sickness in front of you, looking at something negative in front of you. I'm here to tell you that's why that song we sang is so important. They were right here. They were right here and God told them here it is you're gonna make a sound like the world has never heard before there's a wall in front of you my children this is the land that I gave you and that is occupying your land oh but you're gonna make a sound like the world has never heard before and the moment you make that sound the walls will have no other choice but to come down I'm here to tell you when the church in America and around the world takes off the mute button and we start shouting unto God with the voice of triumph, the walls will come down. Is there anyone here ready to see all the walls come down? They found Jericho. Every time you step into a new season, you will find an obstacle that the enemy creates for the purpose of hindering your progress. The enemy wants you to get stuck in the beginning of the season in order to prevent you from conquering the fullness of the season. Oh, when the people heard the sound of the ram's horns, they shouted. Suddenly the walls of Jericho came down and they collapsed. When God's people stop being silent and make a sound, all obstacles must come down. I'm going to say that one more time. When God's people get the mute button off and make a sound, all of the obstacles will come down. I didn't write the book. I'm sorry. I know it seems illogical. It seems even a little bit crazy. It seems kind of silly. A bunch of people shout, and all of a sudden, the walls will come down. Well, it really happened. Now, I didn't write the book. Don't blame me. Am I supposed to remove that chapter from the Bible because it's not cool in 2021 to talk about a church that shouts? And it's not just about a shout church here in service it's about our testimony it's about your influence it's about your integrity it's about your life raising you not in a way that is that is irritating but in a way that prompts attention and by the way you're not being loud for other people to hear you you're being loud so every devil falls down every demon 
You missed that part. You missed it. You missed it. You, you think your shout is for other people to hear you. No. In your shout, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's why. I'm going to count to three. Somebody shout like every devil has to fall. Every demon has to fall. Every addiction has to fall. Every bunk. I wish you would get this. COVID has to fall. Diseases have to fall. Cancer has to fall. Raise your voice and watch everything the enemy has placed before you fall. Shout unto God with the voice of. I dare you to raise your hand and repeat after me. All the lies must come down. Say it like you believe it. Every generational curse must come down. Say it like you believe it. Every addiction must come down. Every vestige of darkness must come down. Repeat after me. The same God that whispers in my ear is the same God that shows up when I shout. You have no idea what you just said. If you only understood. It's coming down. I'm telling you it's coming down. There is a sound coming out of your life, out of your testimony. What God is doing in you, with you, and through you will prompt everything around you that is not of God to come down. You believe that? Say amen. That's why silence can't be an option. That's why silence, and again, it's a lot more than the vocal cords, guys. It's your life. It's what you do in private. It's who you are when no one sees you. Your presence needs to be loud for every devil, demon, legion to fall. Now, I'm, I'm going to wrap this up. Here it is. Watch this. Ahab, Ahab does this. I give you permission to rebuild Jericho. I don't know if you're getting this. The walls of Jericho came down all those years before. God brought them down when God's people shouted. And Ahab is the first king. Who does this? How wicked can he be? He wants to rebuild what God knocked down. That's the spirit of Ahab. The spirit that wants to rebuild in your life the stuff that God already defeated. And you're telling me Ahab doesn't want to do that? Sure. Some of the thoughts going through your mind that remind you of your past. This is, this, this is right here. This is the place where Ahab attempts to rebuild Jericho. Look at me. Look at your hand. Whoop, poof. Right here. This is where Ahab gives permission for the rebuilding of Jericho. This is where Ahab says, go ahead, rebuild. No, 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 no. Rebuild, rebuild. Bring, bring that stuff back again. <laughs> oh, but there's a problem. When Joshua, years before, hundreds of years before, when the walls came down, Joshua chapter 6, when the walls came down, Joshua looked at the walls that were on the floor. God's people step on top of them. And let me declare again that your children will walk upon the ruins of what you bring down in your generation. I'm going to say that one more time. Your children and your children's children and your children's children and your children's 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 children will walk upon the ruins of what you're bringing down today. Oh, you missed that. No, you're missing it. 
your children and your children's children and your children's 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 children will walk upon the ruins of what you shout down in your generation. And Joshua said this when the walls came down. He, say, he said the following, may the curse of the Lord, not the blessing, oh snap, may the curse of the Lord fall on anyone who tries to rebuild Jericho. Before Joshua died, Joshua said, do you see those walls that God brought down? If anybody tries to rebuild them, they are cursed. You, you're not getting this. And God said, I agree, Joshua, I signed the contract. Anybody who tries to rebuild Jericho will be cursed. Yeah. Oh, boy. Ooh. So I hear the Lord say this, and I say that with fear and trembling. There are Ahabs in our communities, even in our nation, attempting to rebuild what God already knocked down. Some of you will get that by tomorrow morning. Even in, your, in, in family lineages, even in cultural contexts, even in our spiritual matrix, there is an attempt by the spirit of Ahab to rebuild Jericho. I heard the Lord say clearly, Samuel, tell them that Ahab is alive, attempting to rebuild in our minds and in our thoughts what God already defeated and brought down. And God told me to tell you this, and I say that again with fear and trembling. Do not permit the devil to rebuild Jericho in your mind. I, 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 there's a release when I said that. Do not permit Satan to rebuild Jericho in your mind. Do not permit the enemy to rebuild Jericho in your mind. Do not permit in your relationships, in your language, do not. This is why you're hearing this message. You're about to rise up and tell Ahab. You're about to confront the spirit of Ahab today. And, and, and you're going to say, Ahab, you can try all you want. You can give out all the permits you want. What God already brought down, there's not a devil in hell, a demon on earth. Hey, look, I dare you to look at Ahab and say, Ahab, not even you, nor your Jezebel witchy wife, nor the Baal false god that you serve. There's not an authority on this planet that can ever bring back up what God already brought down. Is there anybody here willing to say that? If you are, raise your hand and repeat after me. The walls that God brought down. You're about to speak something powerful. Will never be brought up. I dare you to say the chains. The chains that God broke in my life are broken forever. I declare the walls of addiction will never be rebuilt. The walls of sexual immorality will never be rebuilt. The walls of multi-generational poverty will never be rebuilt. The walls of genetic predisposition to infirmity will never be rebuilt. I declare that everything that Jesus brought down will never, can never, shall never be rebuilt. In the name of Jesus, now give God that shout. Somebody prays like your Jericho cannot be rebuilt. Worship like Jericho will not be rebuilt. Rejoice like Jericho shall not be rebuilt. Lift up your hands. Everybody, lift up your hands. If the walls in your life came down and they're never going to be rebuilt, lift up one hand. If the walls that God knocked down in your life 
can never be rebuilt because when Jesus said it was finished, he meant it. Because you believe that he said it is finished. He never said, I am finished. He said, it is finished. Woo! Hey, 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 hey! He said, it is finished. John chapter 8, verse 36. Woo! For he who the sun sets free. 8.32, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you. You're not, Jesus didn't set you free for a day. In Jesus, there is no such thing as temporary freedom. Free indeed means free forever. There is a temporal framework to that passage in the Greek. There's a temporal component. It's free forever and free completely. You're completely free and you are forever completely free. Look, I need you to look up here because I hear the Holy Spirit speaking now. Ahab has given, this is going to sound weird to some of you, but if you, some of y'all get this. Ahab has given permits to certain people in your life. Ahab has given permits to certain people in your life to attempt to rebuild Jericho's. And there are people that have stepped into your life for the purpose of resurrecting stuff that God already crucified. Bringing back the past. Referencing the past. Reminding you of the past. Talking about what you were instead of who you are now in Christ. Am I preaching to anyone? Or are there any Elijahs in this place today? Who will stand up and say, you will not rebuild Jericho. You don't have the power. You don't have the authority. What is under the blood stays under the blood. If you got that, raise your hand. What's been redeemed is redeemed forever. What is this idea of temporary redemption? The vicarious, atoning, finished work of Christ. That's what we live in. I'm going to bring back thoughts. Hey, I'm going to bring back thoughts of the stuff you did, of what was done to you, of what you did to others. I'm going to put you in a pit of shame and condemnation. I'm going to rebuild your Jericho. You know why? Because as long as you have a Jericho in front of you, that land will not be occupied. I'm going to keep you in the first step of your promise. And the enemy says, I'm not stupid. If I kick you back to the desert, you're always going to be aiming towards the promise. The enemy says, I'm so smart, I'm going to give you one foot of the promise. As long as you don't conquer the other 100 miles. I'll give you enough for you to say, I'm in the promise land. That's why Jericho wasn't in the desert. Jericho was the first obstacle in the land of promise. It's late. One more time. Just lift your right here. I'm going to seal this. Raise your right hand. 
This is the Spirit of God moving here. Heavenly Father, we receive this word. Say it loud. We receive this word. What heaven starts, hell cannot stop. Today, I am aware of the fact that when my identity comes out of the testimony of the cross, the finished work of Jesus, nothing can stop me. Number two, I am aware right now that there's an attempt by the enemy to rebuild Jericho. But I decree and declare in Jesus' name that Jericho cannot, may not, shall not be rebuilt in my life, my family, my church, my community, my generation, and my nation. What Jesus brought down will never be brought up. In Jesus' name, amen.